Appreciate you being faithful, and again, let's be in prayer for everyone that's out, and that we can get back into the swing of things. Um, it's funny, we said something about the weather last week, how much it's been raining, and I heard the old preacher say, uh, whether, whether the weather be cold, or whether the weather be hot, whatever the weather, we weather the weather, whether we like it or not. And I appreciate you braving the weather tonight, the hot, humid weather. If we're not wet because of the rain, we're wet because of the humidity. We walk in here, so uh, thanks for being here tonight. It's good to see you uh, on a hot, summer, muggy Mississippi night. Um, and uh, it's just uh, great to be able to, uh, to speak to you tonight. Exodus 3, verse number 7. <clears throat> and we'll read down. A few verses. And the Lord said, I have, sh- I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows, and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of the land, uh, and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land, and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey, and unto the place of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Amor- Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on, uh, upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I am come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. Turn over a page or two to Exodus 6, chapter 6. Verse 1, and we'll read from the beginning a few verses here. Exodus 6, 1. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand shall he let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. And I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty. But by my name, uh, Jehovah, was I not known unto them. And I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, wherein they were strangers. And I also have heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Wherefore, say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with, a great, and with great judgments. And I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out, of, out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will, bring you in, I will bring you in unto the land concerning the which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And I will give it to you for an, for an heritage. I am the Lord. Let's pray tonight and we'll get into it. Heavenly Father, thank you for the time together. Bless the message. Help it to be a, a blessing, a help, encourage, strengthen, convict, whatever we need tonight. Uh, you just do the work and uh, use me, I pray. Uh, to be uh, just an instrument and a vessel to be used of you tonight, uh, that you would help your people. Um, We pray that you bless this message, bless the night uh, that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I can remember as a kid, I was about my kid's age, when probably my oldest kid's age, when my pastor, Brother Buchanan, Dr. BGB, old, rough, tough, probably in cowboy boots and a suit, uh, walked across the uh, platform of our auditorium. And I can remember on Wednesday nights we were going through a Bible study. When I read these passages, it brings me back to those early days when you first hear about the story, uh, or not first hear about the story of, of, of Moses leading his people out of Egypt, but also some of the typologies and what it means. And he would come to this side of the auditorium and he would say, what is this, class? And we would say, Egypt. What is this a picture of over here? And he would say, we would say the world or sin. And what is this right here? And we would say, the wilderness, the wilderness wandering. And what is this over here? Canaan. And he would walk it off. He would walk all the way over here just to keep our attention on a, on a, on a, sun, on a Wednesday night Bible study. And we would say, uh, he would say, is this, uh, what is this, land of Canaan? He would say, is this heaven? 
And invariably, somebody would always say, yes. And he would go, no. We're not going to fight battles in heaven. Canaan is the land of victory for the Christian life. So we've been delivered from bondage out of Egypt. And we're not supposed to go through the wilderness wanderings. But sometimes we choose that because of our own unbelief after salvation. And we don't pursue this land of victory over here that is Canaan. Now, Canaan, we cross over Jordan. And I know some of the songs in the songbook say when we cross over Jordan and go to the other side. When we cross over Jordan, we're not going to have giants to fight in heaven. Okay, Uh, The land of milk and honey in Canaan is not a picture of heaven. It's a picture of the victorious Christian life. Joshua wins battles with Jericho. He lost to Ai, then they beat Ai. And there's a lot of victories to have in the Christian life. And it brings me back to those days. It also brings me back to Charlton Heston. And the Ten Commandments. I know some of you old timers know that. And actually, I think I saw it was on this year. I guess they play it every year. But man, I remember being a kid coming home Sunday night church and one of those services, one of those, uh, you know, we would just, it would come on maybe Easter, Christmas or whatever. And here's Charlton Heston throwing his staff above the Red Sea. And I'm watching in wonder, you know, and all those amazing CGI uh, technology or what they used back then to, uh, (laughs) to make that look like the Red Sea. But I remember those days, when I read these, I see that. I also remember flannel graph. And uh, I was mentioning this to our college and career class a while back when we had that, or maybe the school kids. And I said something about flannel graph, and they're like, what is that? And I said, you spoiled brats have TV screens and digital media. Back then, we had to use our imagination, and we had to cut things out and put it on a board. And I said, it was amazing, by the way. And they're looking at me like, that sounds so stupid. It's a green piece of felt and a piece of flat board, and you cut these little figures out, and you put Abraham on there. And they're looking at me like, and? (laughs) And the teacher has a manila folder, and she's got all those little figures, and you're like, what's she going to pull out next? (laughs) And they would pull out the Moses and the Red Sea and the sea parting, and we were just in wonder like, wow. And you you got to have a hula hoop and a circus clown and anything else to have kids pay attention anymore in Sunday school. Uh, Those were the old days, I guess. Uh, but I, I, I read this story, and I think about those days, and I think about when you first hear that story, and as a child, it's easy to believe. You take, you take, you take it at their word. I mean, they're not going to lie to us in church, are they? They're telling us the story. The Bible's true, and you just believe that. And uh, I came across this passage here recently. I wanted to actually do something else. I didn't know I was speaking tonight uh, till after I'd already kind of read this and put this together, but I was, I was kind of wanting to go a different direction. But, man, this just jumped out at me. And I wanted to talk to you tonight about this passage and kind of pull some characters out that we can learn from in the crossing of the Red Sea. God is about to do something miraculous. We know the story. God is about to do something unbelievable on the other side of the story. But we, we, we take it from the beginning where God comes to Moses. And really, we could go back to Joseph. And Joseph brings his brothers and feeds them through the famine. We know that story. And when Joseph dies, he tells his kids in that next generation, you get me out of here. I am not an Egyptian. Poor Joseph. This guy's been away from home since he was like a teenager. And Joseph, being in Potiphar's house and being in prison and being that viceroy prime minister position in Egypt, being like the second in command, he still knew where home was. Home is not here. And he said, get me out, put me in a box, keep my bones in that coffin, and the Lord will surely visit you. And when he does, dig me up because I'm not from Goshen. I'm an Israelite. God has given us a land. I don't even want my bones to be here. And what a great picture of us getting out of the world. I don't even want my bones to be here. Get me out of here. And Joseph tells him that. And it's years later, Israel starts growing. And we pick up the story. We won't read, but Exodus 1 tells us a new Pharaoh comes up that doesn't know Joseph and doesn't know uh, the, the old stories and what he did. And these people, Israel, begin multiplying and growing. And what do political leaders, when they see another country rising up, they get scared and they get nervous. And he told his people, look, we better start putting putting them in bondage. And we better keep them under uh, under our thumb or they're going to overtake us. And when their war breaks out, the Israelites are going to be stronger than us. They got more stuff than us. They got more people. They're going to overtake us. We better, you know, jump on them before they jump on us, basically. Exodus 3, verse number 7, we kind of pick up, if we go back a few pages here. And the people cry out. Actually, in chapter 2, verse number 23 and 24, let's read this. At chapter 2, verse 23, And it came to pass in process of time, the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage. And they cried, and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. And God heard their groaning. What a thought. God knows. He heard them, and he hears us. 
And God remembered his covenant with Abraham and with Isaac and with Jacob. And what does he do? Chapter 3, verse 7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Thank God God knows where I am. Thank God he hears me. Brother Breland preached it last week. I told him thank you because I've been there and I feel like God doesn't hear me and he wasn't listening. And God knows my problems and God knows my needs. And when I've cried out and begged and pleaded and I felt like I, my prayers didn't go there, God was working and God's doing. And his sovereign will and my human will don't always match up. And that's a, that's a matter of faith for me to get in line with him. But let's just remind ourselves, if he heard the children of Israel, he can hear me and you. He'll hear us. And he says in verse number seven, I've seen their affliction. Moses, they've prayed. They don't know this yet, but I'm coming. And I'm coming for deliverance. And I'm coming with answered prayer. What a great thought. Here's the problem. God starts moving and God starts working. Verse number eight. He says, I'm come to deliver them out of the land of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land unto a good land. And we read that already. Canaanites, Hivites, Perizzites, all the ites. And he says, I'm coming. The problem is nobody's listening. Israel's praying. Pharaoh's hearing. Moses is hearing. Nobody's listening. We know it's easy because we've seen the flannel graph or the digital media or the Charlton Heston or whatever portrayed. We've seen the Red Sea. We've seen the ten plagues. We're about to find now that Egypt is going to go through about the worst, worst time period. I don't know that a country has ever had to go through this like Egypt. Fry, fries, not fries. That wouldn't be a plague. That would be a blessing. Fries all over. Flies, frogs, water to blood. Darkness, hail, etc., etc. Ten plagues. I'm going to miss one if I do them by memory. God is ready. Look, I don't want to be health and wealth gospel, and I don't want to sit here and say, if you live your best life now, you're going to get all these riches later on. But I'm, I'm here to tell you and here to remind you that God will work in your life if you let him. God is about the business of doing things that we can't understand. And when God hears our prayer, he's on the other side working. And let's remind ourselves of that. What are you praying for that you think God's not listening for anymore? What is there bondage in your life? Is there a sin? Is there something you're stuck with in your life? Is there a bad relationship? God will hear you. And maybe he's at work right now, and maybe he's preparing someone to come help you, like in this story. But God's about to do this great thing, and nobody listens to it. And I got to thinking, nobody's paying attention. God's the winner of this story. It's not Moses. It's not Israel. It's definitely not Pharaoh in Egypt. God's the winner. Spoiler alert. God's the winner of every story in the Bible. Over and over through Genesis, Exodus, on throughout Scripture, on through the Pentateuch, that they will know that my name will be praised and they will know of the glory of God. After this, the Red Sea. Remember when they went to Jericho and what did Rahab say? Everybody's afraid. We heard. That's the whole point of all these stories. So people will hear and give glory to God. He's in it for his glory, and he deserves it. He's not proud and arrogant. He can't be proud and arrogant. He deserves it. You and I want glory. We're proud and arrogant. But he deserves it. And the story is about to unfold, and nobody is looking up. They're looking at their own issues. We see the first guy here, and we've titled it tonight, Why We Don't Hearken to God. Why don't we listen? Why we don't hearken to God. Look at Exodus 5. The story moves on, Exodus 5, verse number 1. And afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. And they said, The God of the Hebrews hath met with us. Let us go, we pray thee, three days journey into the desert and sacrifice unto the Lord our God, lest, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. And the king of Egypt said unto them, Wherefore do, you, wherefore do ye, Moses and Aaron, let the people from their works get you under your burdens? And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land are many, and you make them rest for their burdens. Pharaoh's listening, and, and Moses and Aaron go to him, and I don't know how they got in. You know, I, I kind of get the feeling that Moses had some, some relationship from previously before he ran off to Midian because he murdered somebody. Maybe he knew somebody in the kingdom. I, I assume, you know, if you go up, walk into the White House and say, I have the message for the president, you're not going to get very far. Uh, they'll, they'll, they'll put you in a car and drive you far away and uh, have some questions for you later on. 
you can't just walk into the palace, but maybe Moses had some connections there with his previous life, with Pharaoh's daughter, uh, from the previous Pharaohs and all that. I don't know, but they got into Pharaoh, and Moses, you know the story, he's going, what are we doing? He even said the question, who am I supposed to tell them? Nobody's going to listen to me. I'm a shepherd. I'm on the other side of Midian. But he goes to Pharaoh, tells the story, he gives the message, and Pharaoh says, who's God? I don't know him. All I know is you, you got these people riled up. They've stopped working. Y'all get to work. Get back to work. I don't care. Why doesn't Pharaoh hearken to God? First of all, because he's calloused. Pharaoh, Pharaoh's the first character we're going to look at. He's a calloused man. We see over and over again through this story. God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Pharaoh hardened his heart. Uh, Romans even mentions this, and we won't get into all the depths of that because it makes my head hurt. But the sovereign nature of God is, in a, in a nutshell, if you're going to harden yourself toward him, God will let you. And not only that, God will harden yourself with Listen, if you want to go ahead and go down that route, God is not going to shut the door. He's going to say, you have a free will. He knows Pharaoh is going to harden, and God in his sovereign knowledge knows that, and he even, he even prophesied it. I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. He's going to be hardened. He's going to be tough. He's going to be mean. But why don't we listen? Because Pharaoh doesn't care who God is. He's about to find out. But he doesn't care who God is. Uh, this is the unsafe crowd. For sure. This is the lost crowd. This is the reprobates. I mean, we could, and we're not going to preach about them because hopefully they're not here. And it's not up to us to point the finger at the world. The world is going to be the world. The reprobates are the reprobates. They have seared, many people have seared their conscience. We see it in our country today. My goodness, we don't know uh, right from wrong anymore. Uh, and uh, these are folks that cannot see right from wrong. They have so seared their mind and conscience and run from God. And God is gracious and God is just. But at a certain point, he's going to let folks go their own way. Uh, that can be the unsaved crowd, the reprobate crowd. You know, I think we can apply that to us, though, as saved. You can get saved, but harden your heart. We see it through Scripture. We heard about it last week, Brother, uh, Brother Breland preached about Lot. Just Lot. And what did he, he do? He vexed his righteous soul. He went to Sodom and Gomorrah and all the wickedness of that city. He was just. And we would never know he was just, except the Bible says he was just. Ungodly life, he finished an ungodly life, left an ungodly life, everything was destroyed, his wife was killed, he lived ungodly after that. And my question to you is, are you the calloused today? Maybe you're the Christian that gets, you've gone through the motions of church, motions of church and Sunday school, you've been at this long enough where your heart has gotten cold and calloused. I hope that's not us. You know, God can break a heart, but at, again, at a certain point, God's going to let you go. Boy, teenagers, young people, if you're already hardening your heart now, how much chance do you have? If the authorities say, and it's always a pushback. If God is always speaking to you or trying to move you and making you uncomfortable and you won't listen, he's going to back off. Say, fine. And next time you won't hear him as clearly. Next time you won't hear him as loudly. And that's a scary place to be. Boy, I don't want to be there. For God to take his hands off me and say, I can't use you. You won't listen. I hope our church doesn't get there. I hope our kids don't get there. I hope we're willing. You know, we kind of get set in life. Well, I've got my job. I've got my family. I've got my house. I've got my kids. I'm good. Let's just go on to heaven now. Let me finish my life. God may have different plans for you. You better be tender and you better be listening. Well, I'm fine. I've been doing the same thing I've been doing forever. It's fine. God may be speaking. Listen. Pharaoh's calloused. He's hardened. His heart uh, Adrian Rogers says, God will let you crystallize your heart. His heart is crystallized, hardened, because he begins, as many times as it says God hardened him, it also says Pharaoh hardened his own heart. Let's be careful not to be the callous. Why don't we listen to God? Because we're calloused. Here God's trying to do something great. What if Pharaoh would have fallen down and says, I repent. I mean, Nineveh did it. That was a miracle. That wicked city. Others did it in, the, in Scripture. Pharaoh could have, but he wouldn't. He was calloused. Go to chapter 6, verse number 9. Why else don't we hear from God? Why else don't we hearken to him? We're calloused. Number two, we bear burdens. We're just burdened down. Chapter 6, verse number 9. We read up to 8, and he tells Moses, tell him this. And finally, in verse number 9, Moses spake so unto the children of Israel, but they hearken not unto Moses for anguish of spirit and for cruel bondage. Look at those words, anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. Um, Vince Lombardi, the Super Bowl coach from way back, who the Lombardi Trophy is named after, he had a quote uh, for his football 
uh, teams and practices, he said, fatigue makes cowards of us all. And that's the truth, isn't it? You get tired and you get cranky. One of my kids told me the other day, I'm hangry. The merge between hungry and angry. I am hangry. I'm so hungry, I'm angry. You get frustrated. I heard some stat where most, most domestic disputes are like early afternoon before dinner time. Because everybody's mad at each other. <laughs> Just eat something real quick and maybe you won't beat your wife, beat your husband. Eat something real quick. Let's, let's talk about this on a full stomach. We're all mad at each other because we're so hungry and tired. I want to go to sleep and I want to get food in my belly. Fatigue makes us cowards, though. It's true. Can you imagine your family being sold into slavery, being put into slavery? Your dad, your brother, your family walking with these burdens, making these bricks, and they are in the heat of the desert of Egypt. Not only that, Exodus chapter, go back to five. What did they do? Verse number six, we know it, but let's read it. And Pharaoh commanded the same day, 5-6, taskmasters of the people and their officers saying, you shall no more give the people straw to make brick as heretofore. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. You guys are talking too much. You're not working hard enough. And hear this, Moses and Aaron say, let my people go. Matter of fact, I'm going to make it worse. Go make them find their own straw for bricks. Go make them find, and you have to keep up the same quota. We're not going to give you the materials. You go find the materials and make the same bricks. And what happens? Verse number 11, they said, go ye, get you straw where you can find it. Yet not... Yet not out of your work shall be diminished. So the people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble instead of straw. And the taskmasters hasted them, saying, Fulfill your works. Your daily task is when there was straw. And when the officers and the officers of the children of Israel, which Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and demanded, Wherefore have you not fulfilled your task in making brick both yesterday and today as heretofore? Can you imagine our fathers? The men of our church being in slavery and pulled out and beaten in front of the women. The leaders of Israel now pulled out and beaten, I think, in front of Israel. It's like a terrorist tactic. We're going to beat you in front of your families and in front of your kids. Can you imagine the women and children watching this? The leaders of our country, who we held in high esteem, are being pulled out by these Egyptians, whipped, bruised, bloody. And they're saying, why haven't you made enough bricks? Can you imagine the fear and the burden that's on them? No wonder they, they answer Moses in chapter 6, verse number 9. They hearken not for the anguish of spirit and for cruel bondage. Have you ever been working hard and you got into that groove and you're kind of sweating and you're, uh, and you're going and you're just kind of focused in the mode and you're starting to get a little, a little just agitated but focus, 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 and somebody comes up behind you. You know, you're painting at the house or something. Hey, you missed a spot. And the grace of God has to come over you <laughs> or, and your tongue. Are you going to say something you shouldn't? <laughs> we, uh, I didn't know this because I was a kid and they kept us pretty, you know, out of the loop on things. But we had us years ago, we had a staff member that uh, apparently he was that guy. And the, the men of the church had laughed, had laughed. Dad was telling stories and he goes, we were being there working. And this guy would walk up, hands on his hips. And we're all on the floor, working on the floor, working on whatever we're doing. He'd go, hey, there's a spot. You missed this. And he, he hadn't sweat a drop. He hadn't done anything. And we would just glare at him and look at him. Like, you get down here and help or you go away. <laughs> Have you ever been tired where you've worked and sweat and toiled? And then someone's trying to, uh, you've been outside in this summer heat and somebody's bothering you. Somebody's giving you a story. Somebody's interrupting your work. And it's like, stop. I don't have time for that. Leave us alone. And Moses is coming up saying, hey, I'm here to deliver you. I'm the deliverer. I'm the redeemer. God sent me. And they're saying, get away. We're beaten. We're bloodied. Did you see what they did to our leaders? Our hands hurt. Our feet hurt. Our backs hurt. And all we have to look forward to is doing it again tomorrow. And there's no end in sight. And we pray to God he won't hear us. And all you are is bothering us. Moses, leave. They hearken not to him. Why don't we listen to God? Because we're in the middle of life and we bear these burdens. And sometimes God says, okay, now I'm here to help. And we go, stop. Sometimes the preacher makes us uncomfortable. We say, leave me alone. I don't want to hear that right now. Sometimes the Lord starts directing you and you say, God, leave me alone. It's hard enough with my kids. It's hard enough with my job. It's hard enough in the financial position I'm in. It's hard enough to live this life. And now you keep speaking and bothering me. 
I'm too burdened to listen. I'll go through the motions. I'll be where I'm supposed to be. But I'm tired. I'm sweaty. God, it hurts. All the while, the Redeemer is there to say, come on. Can I remind you of Psalm 23? That the shepherd that is calling us still brings us to green pastures. He still leads us beside still waters. And what else does he do? He restores my soul. Are you in a strait? Are you in a place where it's just, I'm getting twisted and torn, and you're trying to figure your way out of it, and sometimes the Lord is trying to speak to you? If you follow the Lord, according to Psalm 23, I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but I don't fear. I have green pastures, I have water to drink, and I'm following the shepherd. It's not always easy, but he'll bring me to those places. Do you have something in your soul? Do you have something in your spirit? Do you have a weight or a burden that you won't listen to the Lord for, and you kind of feel like he's not listening to you? The people are hurt, and I feel for them. I don't want, I've never been in slavery. I've never been in bondage like this. We're reminded of Proverbs 18. It says, the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit who can bear? They were wounded. They were beaten. They were broken. They were bloodied, literally beaten physically. And the answer standing there, Moses and Aaron are coming saying, I didn't ask for this. I had to see a burning bush, and I had to grab Aaron to help me. I still really don't want to be here, but God told me, leave me alone. Maybe God's speaking, but we're not listening because the weight is so heavy. And I'm not berating you. I'm not preaching at you. I'm, I, I feel with you. We are in this life together, and some days just get hard. We get bad news. Somebody mistreats us. Somebody does us wrong. And I've got to put that backpack of that burden on. And after a while, my back hurts, and my, my body hurts. And after a while in this life, my spirit hurts. And God starts knocking, and he'll knock. He'll answer. He'll sustain. He'll bring, he'll bring an answer. And it may not be in my time, but trust that he's going to do it. I feel like if there was a psychiatrist, then they would have diagnosed the whole place with PTSD. We know war, war veterans still to this day. They can't, they can't hear a loud bang. They can't hear some, there's some folks in the church that have said, I have a grandfather. If there's a loud noise, they jump. They cower under the table. He's been in war. He's heard and seen things that bring those flat. They just come right back to him. And it, it, it just brings those memories back. You've, some of, you've been hurt in life. And now we, 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 we coil up in that cocoon and say, I just don't want to hurt anymore. Nobody talk to me. I don't want to love anymore. I don't want to be here anymore. I'll get through this life. And God is starting to try to knock and open us back up. And we say, I don't want to hear from you. It hurts. I'm I'm burdened down. Let me encourage you. He is there to help, and he's there to ease, and he's there to sustain. Come to him. Boy, I'll fail you. The preacher will fail you. Everybody in this auditorium will fail you. He will never fail you. Let's hold to that promise. When you can't feel it, it's still real. When you don't feel like he's there with you, he is. If you're his child, my goodness, we would never leave our children out. We would never neglect our child. How much more our Heavenly Father? He's not going to neglect you and I in this life. He knows my prayer. He knows my burden. He knows how bad I hurt. Call on Him, and in faith, when He answers back, spill, spill your guts to Him. Tell Him, Lord, I hurt. I'm scared. I'm tired. This world has beaten me to death, and I'd rather even not talk to you, but by faith, I'm coming. Help. Come unto me, all you that, are, all you that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. What a great verse. I'll give you rest. What are your needs today? We mentioned some of them. Finances, relationship. Maybe it's a spiritual weakness. Maybe you have sin. I mean, Egypt is a picture of sin. And when you're in sin, you're in slavery and you're in bondage over here, right? And we've all been there at some point. Are you struggling right now? If everybody knew what you were thinking and knew what you were involved in, would you be embarrassed about the chains that have you and the handcuffs that have you, the slavery you're in? Nobody knows on the outside you look fine. What are you dealing with? Wayward son, marriage issues, boy. I think, God, I don't know how to do this. How am I supposed to raise my kid? I've never, they don't give you like a trial run on this parent thing. <laughs> we'll give you one if you mess that up, like the home ec thing. You mess up the baby, 
the plastic baby and you got to give it back. It's throwing up and its eyes won't open anymore. You know, somebody came to our school and they said, home ec, is that where you give that baby and you have to keep it? <laughs> I said, some places do that, yeah. They don't give you a trial run with a fake child. It's like parenthood, marriage, here we are. And all of a sudden, the people we love the most can be the biggest burden to us. Don't look at your wife or spouse. You have a job you don't know about. You have a financial issue. You have a spiritual issue. You have depression. You have anxiety. And you think, I can't say anything because I'm supposed to be a Christian. I'm not supposed to deal with those things. You have sin. And it weighs you down because, God, I want to do right, but every time I try, it gets worse. They make me do more with less. My sin has me in bondage. But the Redeemer is coming. He's here. Let him speak to you. Get in his word, and when it doesn't feel like it, he might not come right on time, but keep the hope that he's coming. He'll help you. He loves you. Psalm Psalm 23, go back to it and claim it. Open your Bible and tell the Lord you said Lord, if you said, and you did it for them, and I've done that. I've literally done that. Okay, I read that. Lord, you said for them you would do it. And you said you're no respecter of persons. If the, if the Israelites weren't any better than me, and they were people just like me, and Moses was a person, then I have the same rights of an answer to prayer that they do. And tell the Lord that. I think sometimes the Lord wants us to try me, prove me, get in that word and find a promise and hold on to it. Realize the burden is lifted in the listening. Hear him. Hear the shepherd. He'll lift the burden, but you got to listen. Are you listening for him or did you quit? Have you quit life? Brother Breland said it. I told him. I've prayed those prayers where he talked about it last week. Abraham prayed and he felt like God didn't answer. And we had this prayer and God didn't answer. And I thought you were going to answer. I really felt good when I left and God didn't. Keep the faith. Keep praying. Keep listening. Sometimes our burden is lifted when we listen to the Lord. How many times have I opened the psalm? I mean, the first verse just hit me right where I was. Well, if you're struggling, go through the psalms today and find people that went through struggle. and It'll help you. Listen. We don't listen because we're calloused. We don't listen to the Lord because we bear burdens. And it's hard. And this life is difficult. What's the last reason we don't listen? Because we look at self. It is self-doubt. Some of us are so introspective, we can't get anything done. <laughs> we look at ourselves and go, I don't know why I'm here. And I do this all the time. Lord, why in the world am I up here? Why in the world did you put me there? Why in the world am I in this spot? I don't want to, I don't want to do that anymore. I'm not, there's a thousand people that could do it better. There's better speakers. There's better singers. There's better ushers. There's better, and, we, and we go through and we look at our job. There's a, that guy's a better husband than me. She's a better wife. Those kids are better than my kids. And we look at ourselves and all of our issues. And the Lord speaks and we, we don't step out in faith. We step out in doubt and go, I can't do that. Exodus 6, verse number 11. What does Moses say? Go in, speak unto Pharaoh, 611, king of Egypt. Then let the children of Israel go out of this land. And Moses spake before the Lord, saying, Behold, the children of Israel have not hearkened unto me. How then shall Pharaoh hear me, who, have, who, who am of uncircumcised lips? My God, I can't do that. We don't have time. Exodus 3 lists that. We, Moses says, I can't do it. The burning bush happens. And Moses goes, that's great. I'm glad you're going to redeem Israel. Not me. I'm a shepherd. I, like, I left that place. <laughs> Moses had a past. God, I murdered somebody. I'm pretty sure some of the Ten Commandments weren't written in yet, but thou shalt not kill. I did it. You can't use me. Like, use somebody else. I ran. Moses is old. He's been a shepherd. He's got a wife. He's done, he, he has left that life. And I think he's just comfortable and happy in Midian on the backside of the desert saying, I'm just going to be a shepherd. I'm going to be out here. I am comfortable where I am. Don't mess with me. I am good. And here comes the Lord. Now, I found out that about the time you get comfortable, the Lord says, all right, change. I have something else for you. <laughs> I don't want to. Moses, change. It's time to go. Here we are doing great as a church. And then our pastor comes and says, hey, by the way, I'm leaving. 
change. And somebody else leaves, change, and somebody else leaves, change. And, and, and we've been through that as a church. But Moses had a past, and he could have said, he did say, no, I, I, I can't talk. Aaron can talk. I can't talk. Don't use me. And the Lord's, I can see the Lord rolling his eyes and shaking his head, and he, his anger is kindled. The Bible says, just, would you just obey me? Fine, I'll bring Aaron along. Aaron will, Aaron will be the spokesman. But he begins showing those miracles of the staff turning into a snake and the leprosy on his hand. And he shows Moses, it's not about you, it's about me. When we look at ourselves, we're making the gospel and we're making God's will about us. Why don't we listen? Because God says, it's time for you to be a Sunday school teacher. The church is growing. You've seen the bus ministry. You know they need help. God's worked on you about winning somebody to Christ, witnessing, giving a track out. And you go, but I'm not Brother Jeremiah. He has good sermons and he has a good message. I can't, I can't speak to people like that. Lord, send somebody else. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. He's giving us good works to do. And we say, no, not me. I'm not a personality like that. I can't do that. Moses says, I can't do that. I'm not a leader. Boy, if Moses only knew what he was getting himself into. <laughs> but if Moses only knew what he was about to see. I think, after the, after the, I think after the miracles and after the water turned to blood, I would have been like, okay, I really believe he's going to use me now. Oh, my. This is awesome. I touch things and frogs fly all over the place. I wave my hand and the Red Sea parts. God's got something for us, and he ran off to Midian to hide, and he had a past, and he had excuses. I've killed a man. I can't talk. I, you got the wrong guy, you're knocking on the wrong door, and God says, it's not about you. We're made to be vessels. We actually use that verse in our, in our school about, in 1 Timothy about vessel unto honor. We are, and we want our kids to be a vessel unto honor. The thing is, it's not about the vessel. The Christian life is not about the vessel. It's about what's in the vessel. The Christian life is not about me. It's about what he wants me to bring to someone else. Moses, this is not about you. I've used Gideon. I'll use Saul. I'll use David. Remember when Saul was called? He was hiding. Big, tall guy hiding among the stuff. Where was David? A shepherd far away. Nobody knew where he was. Where was Samuel? He was asleep, a little boy. Where was Moses? A shepherd. Where was Gideon? I mean, Gideon was putting out fleeces. No, 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 not me. Okay, this time, Lord, if it's real... <laughs> Where was Abraham? He was just doing, he finds people in their humble estate and just doing work and just finding their place. Where were the apostles? They were not educated men. Fishing. Publican. Matthew was a ripoff, probably. And he finds people and says, come. And they all, most of them say, I can't do that. Like, you're awesome. You're God. Those people are awesome. He's a speaker. He's an orator. She's good looking. They have the personality. Not me. And God says, you. It's not about you. It's about me. I brought a vessel, in case you were falling asleep at this point in the message. What does God want out of a vessel? What does God want out of using us? There is nothing really particularly dynamic about this plastic jug of water. It's just there. I don't know about you, but I was abused when I was in the 80s and 90s by my parents. And I'm here to tell you about it. In this heat, you know what my mother did? Pushed us, and I have a witness, where's Stacy? Pushed us outside, shut the sliding door, and locked it. But we're thirsty. And what did they say? Drink from the hose. I fell off the swing set one time, and this was the day, I, nobody was approving anything. I don't know that we had an EPA or anybody approving any products that went out for kids. We were all danger, in danger of our lives every day playing with the toys we had. We had a swing set with just bolts sticking out, rusty bolts. Nobody decided to hack that thing off. Nobody decided, hey, the bolt goes through the pole like one inch too far. Let's, let's cut that down a little bit. Let's put a cap. Now they have little plastic caps on the end. We didn't have that. It was a rusty old jagged bolt. And I'm climbing up the swing set, and I fell backward. Bam, hit the back of my head, right square in the back of my head with a rusty bolt. I have witnesses. My brother's in Colorado. He can witness. My sister was there, too. And we ran inside, banging on the door. Boom, boom, boom. Mom, let us in. She goes, get away. I think she shut the curtains, too. Go outside. And I'm out there bleeding. 
And I couldn't see because it's in the back of my head. But my brother goes, Mom, or Stacy, one of the two, says, Mom, his blood's doing like this. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> By the time I realized, Mom realized, oh, he's hurt. I remember sitting and speaking of dangerous on, that, on those plasticky vinyl seats of our Nova, Chevy Nova. And if that wasn't bad enough, I sat on those hot seats and I got burned on my legs in the hot summertime where that <laughs> car was sitting outside and that vinyl sticks to you. And those metal pieces of the seatbelt burning me. And I remember my head hurt. I was hitting my head was bouncing on the back of that Nova, the seat. I had to get stitches. We were abused. I'm just here to tell you. But there was nothing like when you went outside and you were playing after a long time. And you weren't really expecting. And, you know, kind of the water hose water tastes like water hose. <laughs> you know, we probably all have some disease from whatever water hoses drop in the water. We're drinking out of that. And it's kind of that warm water and sometimes that scalding hot water. <laughs> But there was nothing better when mom would bring out a big pitcher to a thirsty, sweaty, hot person outside to have a pitcher of ice water or iced tea or lemonade. Man, is there anything better than come to the, and she would just pour that out. Oh my goodness. And she would pour the cups and it was like heaven. I need water. I am dying. I'm so thirsty. You're sweating in the, in the, in the heat of the day. I wasn't going around saying, can you bring that in a different picture? I hate that one. It looks so cheap. One of those old Tupperware party things <laughs> that some lady in church swindled you into buying for way too much money. <laughs> We're here to be vessels, but we want to be pretty. My wife's the tea party lady, right? So we have like a thousand of these at our house. But, Lord, I'm not what she is. I'm not what he is. Like, Brother Miller was great. Pastor Andrews is great. Like, you called them for a reason. Look at how they've grown and look at their ministry. I can't do that. And God says, I don't care what the vessel looks like. FYI, I made the vessel. I made you how you are. If you feel like you're a pretty teapot and handsome or good looking, or you feel like you're just an old, I'm just there. An old shepherd. But here's the thing. God's concerned about what's inside. Because a lot of times... I'm going to break this. Sorry, Rachel. A lot of times we look at that and say, that's what God can use. But let me prove the point. It matters what's inside, right? I don't know what's in here. It won't pour out because there's junk in there. There's mud and dirt and grime. It doesn't matter. If you would have given this to me in the finest china outside, I said, I don't want that. I want the good stuff. I want the clear water. Well, it's not in a pretty container. Who cares? I'm thirsty. Sinful, depraved man is looking for somebody to give them water of life. And we're going around going, I'm not good enough, though, to carry the gospel. And the Lord says, it doesn't matter. You aren't who gets the glory at the end of the story. I'm the one doing the Red Sea. I'm the one doing the miracles. I'm the one doing the 10 plagues. I am going to roll up my sleeves and show you. He says in chapter 6, verse 1, Moses, now you're going to see. Now shalt thou see what the Lord is going to do. It is not about the vessel. Some of us need to stop looking at ourselves in the ministry and saying, I can't. We know you can't. God knows you can't. But with him empowering you, you can the only thing for a vessel is you need to be clean and you need to be big. Some of us are like, I got that covered. No problem. We're going out to eat tonight since you said that, Brother Heath. Get clean and grow so you can hold more. I need, a, I need life-giving water. The world needs us. The ministry needs us. Some people come to the church and go, well, the church is so big and they do so great. We don't, I'm, I was thinking they didn't even need any help. Well, the church needs help. The ministry needs help. A man came into this, into this church this morning. He couldn't finish the message. He told me, I could, Brother Jack was preaching. He said, I couldn't finish. I had to walk out. I, like, he was under such conviction. I said, look, that was, that was the Lord. And he goes, yeah, I think so. <laughs> he hit me right where I was. 
Why? Because somebody decided to fill up and say, I'm going to pour the gospel. I'm going to pour a message. I'm going to pour it out. And whoever's thirsty, come drink. And they weren't looking for the perfect preacher. They weren't looking for the perfect Sunday school teacher. They weren't looking for perfection because sometimes in there is, is a bunch of garbage. The Pharisees were perfect. We even said that in Sunday school this morning, but inside was dead men's bones. It was disgusting. I'm, I'm all for you making yourself better. I'm all for educating yourself, making yourself a better person for the glory of the Lord, serving the Lord in a better way. But let's stop looking at ourselves. It's too big of a job to win the world for us anyway. Stop thinking I have to do it all and just say, Lord, fill me up. I'm clean. I'm clear. Fill me up and let me serve. And when the waiter comes by, when the waitress comes by with this, it's like, come here. I need more. All I care about is that pitcher clean. Yep, pour me some. Give me some. Why don't we listen to the Lord? Because we look at ourselves and go, not me. I can't serve in the church. Well, brother, you've been here 20, 30 years. What are you doing? I don't mean to, I don't mean to berate you or get on to you, but ma'am, if you've been here for four decades and you've not served in the church, pray tell me, what are you saved for? We are saved to serve. We are saved to be a vessel. And if you feel like you're not good enough, like join the club. I'm at the head of that line. I'm not good enough club. <laughs> I'm the president. Why in the world am I here? Boy, let's, let's join together and serve the Lord and stop looking at ourselves and look at him. Because when Moses finally decides I'm going to be a vessel, look at what happens. Look at the plagues. Look at the Red Sea. It's a picture of salvation. And Brother Buchanan would say it. We walked out of sin. And that walking out of sin and away from Pharaoh was a picture of salvation and baptism and walked through the Red Sea and walked into where? The victorious Christian life. But we can't get the victorious Christian life if we are the Israelites over here saying, God, stay away. Leave me alone. I'm too burdened. It hurts too bad. Life has given me a bunch of bad news, and I'm tired of it. I'd rather just not be here. If you just called me to heaven, I'd be fine with that too, but just leave me alone and let me be. Or we're Moses, and we say, I don't want to serve. And God says, I, but I'm enabling you. It's, it's, it's the I am. It's not the Moses. Don't come and tell him Moses said. Come and tell him the I am. But God, I can't give a gospel track. I can't witness. I'm not good enough. And God says, it's not about you. Or maybe you're Pharaoh, and you're just calloused. If you're Pharaoh and you're callous, you probably don't care to be here right now, and you're probably not even listening. So I, I think that maybe isn't us, or maybe we're not to that point. I pray to God and hope not. But who are you tonight? You know, it's 2021. I feel like God is not, get, not done with the world just quite yet. He's not done with us just yet. So if he's not done with us, he's going to speak. And he speaks through his word. And he speaks through the preaching of his word. And if he's going to speak to us, we got to have ears to listen. Well, why aren't we listening? We're calloused. We're Pharaoh. We're burdened. We're the children of Israel. And we're beaten down. Or we're, or we're full of our own self-doubt. Going, I can't do it. Listen, if you, if you volunteer and jump in the service and God does something for you, and you know what you are, and you know what he used you to do, you easily give him the glory because you go, I could have never done that by myself. The whole point of the story is they go through the Red Sea and he gets the glory. And Ai hears and Jericho hears and everybody in Canaan hears what God did for them. We heard about that Red Sea. We heard about Jericho, the, the, the walls falling. We heard about the ten plagues. Egypt told us. And who gets the glory at the end of all this? God, not me, not Moses, not Pharaoh, not the children of Israel. Who do we look to at the end of the story? Who's the hero of the Bible? God. Are you listening? Sometimes we're not listening. We're calloused, we're burdened, or we're just full of self. And we look at ourselves, and we have a bad complex. I can't do it. I'm no good. Yeah, but Brother Heath, everybody knows what I did in church years ago. Did you murder a man? Because Moses did. Yeah, but everybody, I, I messed up really bad. College kids, teenagers, yeah, I messed up. We don't mean to look down on you, teenager, but if you're 14 and you're going, God has put me on the shelf, I'm worthless, I messed up when I was 12, we all look at that and laugh. And you got plenty of life to live. God can use you. If you've, if you've messed up, I'm, you know, I think I'm president of that club too, the mess up club. 
Look at the apostles. Look at the people used, God used all throughout the Bible. A bunch of mess-ups, a bunch of screw-ups, a bunch of goofballs. And God saved them, made them right. Paul was killing people, throwing them in prison. Moses killed a man. We could go through, you know them all. There's messed up people that God has used. But they, at some point in their life, listened and said, okay, I'll go. I don't know what in the world I'm doing. I can't, I, Moses walked into Pharaoh. And I can imagine the talk he was having with himself. What am I doing in this palace? I ran from this place. I never wanted to come back. And I'm about to tell that guy, let us all go. And I'm about to tell Israel, let us go. But man, I bet Moses was glad when he put his hands up and that sea parted. Can you imagine his jaw dropping? My God is using me. I brought that guy back today. And I have that moment every time you win somebody to Christ. You go, God used me to do that. I got to open the Bible and show a man who's in tears that he can have a new life. And I sat there and told him, Do you, if you could trade with anybody, wouldn't you trade? Wouldn't you trade with somebody's life? Like you want their kids, their job, their house, and just and rewind time and change lives. And he goes, yeah. I said, I got one better. You get a perfect life. You can trade with Jesus. Jesus Christ is offering his life. And I got to show that guy that. And he's in tears and he's under conviction. It was an easy, easy man to win to the Lord. And I walked out of there going, I just, I just got to be this. I didn't do anything. I just poured. I just, somebody taught me the gospel and I decided to give it. Brother Two met a man and kept him long enough and we, we brought him. Brother Andrews preached. Boy, we, we have a part in winning someone to Christ, changing their eternity today. Because somebody just decided to say, yes, I'll be used. Are you calloused? Are you burdened? I pray with you. I'm not beating you down because we all get burdened. Let's encourage ourselves in the Lord. Or are you just doubting yourself? Don't doubt yourself. As a matter of fact, do doubt yourself. Don't doubt the Lord. You have nothing, to, the arm of flesh will fail you. But God will use you if, you, if, if he's calling you. If, he's used, if he wants to use you and he's, he's tapping on your heart, step out by faith and say, okay, I'm no good, but use me. Let's pray. Let's stand together as we pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, the stories of the children of Israel. Thank you for Moses. Thank you that you didn't paint a perfect picture of perfect people that served you, but messed up people with a messed up life and a messed up past with excuses and burdens and hurts and used all those people to do a great work to have glory. Lord, help us to take the lesson, take the message. Help us not to be fair. Lord, if anyone here is not saved, help them to come under conviction like this morning this young man didn't be saved. Is there anyone here tonight as the heads bowed and eyes are closed?